Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. It's really the difference if you want to be transactional or relational. And the big advantage of building a community is you can create the type of culture that you want. If you're a transactional business, that's one way of doing things, but you're not going to make a long-term change in the marketplace. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of cleantech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warrior. I'm thrilled that you've chosen to spend this time with us here on Suncast, and I'm excited to bring you today's guest. Today's entrepreneur has a truly remarkable story, one of grit, determination, vulnerability, and perseverance. He also happens to be one of the best salesmen in our business, or maybe any business. But don't take my word for it. My friend Jigger Shaw has said of Robert Styler that he's an expert in bringing multi-level marketing to solar. In fact, his company, Sun Crew, has launched from a phone call with Jigger Shaw, who said, Robert, we need to get 100,000 people to distribute 10 trillion in solutions directly to consumers in the next decade. You should build that network. And so Robert took that charge. And he set out to do just that. Many of you might recall, as I did, the first solar network marketing company in our space called Citizen Re or Citizen RE. Robert was the driving force who first introduced the solar lease through that company as president of Citizen RE back in 2005. But his story is not one of riches and glory, quite the opposite. Robert and I dig deep into the pains of failure, the hardships he's endured, being what he called the stuttering networker, and how he overcame that impediment. We also discuss his new model for re-envisioning customer acquisition and sales commissions, which he calls SunCrew. Robert is the first to point out SunCrew is not a network marketing company. It's what he calls a capitalist cooperative. Stick around to learn more about that and some really great sales advice, life tips, and of course, book recommendations. This is one of the most vulnerable and insightful interviews you might hear all year long. And I hope that you enjoy it as immensely as I did. If you do, I'd encourage you to head to mysuncast.com and check out nearly 200 other inspiring and influential leaders' stories. Get on the mailing list so that you can stay in touch and you'll know when the next episode drops. For now, get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune in to another powerful conversation here on Suncast. Okay, Solar Warriors, you know that part of what I endeavor to do on Suncast is bring you world-class leaders, people who challenge the status quo and bring to the world powerful ways of transacting and interacting. And I've recently come to know today's guest, Robert Styler, through a previous guest, Jonathan Budd, and through another previous guest, 
the one and only Jigger Shaw, who hails Robert as probably the greatest network marketing sales leader in the business. With nearly three decades of building record-breaking sales and distribution channels over the last 14 years and nearly the last 15 years in energy in the solar industry, Robert has been responsible for helping build over a billion dollars in signed contracts. I want you to put that in your thinking cap while I let Mr. Robert say hello. Welcome to Suncast. Hey, Nico. It's great to be here. It's been really fun getting to know you over the last couple of calls. Man, it sure has. And uh, I just do want to say thanks to a couple of people. The first is Tim Montague for suggesting that I get you on the show. And the second, of course, is Jigger Shaw for confirming that you are the type of leader that uh, a Suncast solar warrior would want to, to hear from. So I'm grateful for those two folks in my life, and I know that you are as well. Look, there's a whole lot that we could talk about here from network marketing to solar sales, and, and we'll, we'll try to cover as much as we can in this hour. But I think probably the place that would be the best point of entry is one of the greatest milestones and learning lessons in your career and certainly your launching pad as a career long probably addict to the network marketing sales model if we could call it that would you tell me a little bit about how how and why you ended up taking down as it were one of the greatest network marketing businesses of the 90s. And I'll let you explore that as you see fit. Yeah. So I joined this company right out of the Peace Corps. I'd never heard of network marketing before. I saw an ad in the newspaper that said, make $100,000 a year saving the environment. And for me, I was like, I'm in. And I went to this me meeting. They got me all excited. And my personality, Nico, is I tend to just put my head down and go to work. So after seven years of putting my head down, this company became the fastest growing company in the United States. We did 200 million our third year in business. But what happened for me is I reached the top of the company. It was like pulling back the curtain and I saw things I didn't believe in. I had this crisis of consciousness. You know, I was in my 20s. I was making ridiculous amounts of money as I was doing seminars in front of thousands of people. And I decided to, to, to leave. I, I walked away. I wrote a book. My book inspired a federal investigation into the company. And because of my testimony, they were shut down and fined $40 million for consumer fraud. And what happened to me through that journey is I realized how powerful a movement can be, but also how easily it can be corrupted and how often there's somebody behind the curtain that is manipulating people's emotions. Because a lot of people join like me, they wanted to make a positive impact, but there's often somebody that realizes, hey, if I play those emotions right, I can make you know hundreds of millions of dollars myself. And so I, what I've been working on the last 29 years is designing a structure that can still tap into that deep need to be part of a community and make an impact, but do it in a way that is honest and ethical and doesn't exploit those human emotions. So that's been the path I've been on the last 29 years. You mentioned something that uh, I want to circle back to because it is a common, it's actually the reason that I reached out as soon as I saw your LinkedIn. We both have something in common that extends beyond MLM and network marketing. And that is that we were, we are both returned Peace Corps volunteers in Guatemala. Correct. I'd love to hear, and I'll note that 
Uh, there are a number of not just Solar Warriors, but Suncast listeners who are also RPCVs from all over the world. Uh, Kirsten Kirsch at Next Tracker, uh, Tom Cheney at Kite Rocket, uh, to name a couple, uh, Ryan Hamilton at Javelin. There's so many of us that logically have found our way into the sustainability <laughs> business. Yeah. What do you feel being a Peace Corps volunteer in your 20s, as most are, did for your career? And even maybe for your person. Yeah, I think a big part of it was how simple life can be and you can still be happy. Like when I came back from college, you know, a lot of my friends were obsessed about the newest car, the newest this, the newest that. I just realized, you know, what an incredible fortunate opportunity we have in the country we live in and how simple life can be and you can still be happy. So it's really given me opportunities. I think I mentioned to you, I spent seven years living off the grid in a solar, a, a solar powered cabin, real so simple subsistence. And I don't know if I ever would have done that if I hadn't been in the Peace Corps, because I just realized there's beauty in simplicity. I feel you there, man, especially having done Peace Corps in the same country, same war-torn environment with you know more than 21 different subcultures in that country and being able to interact uh, at, a, at an intimate level with both the poor and the rich in that country as a, you know, as the sort of the gringo coming down from the US, you get, you get the privilege being able to do that, right? The, in the same way that many of us in, in the sales environment get, get the privilege of being able to do, right? So, you know, it's not lost on me, the, the mental preparation of being able to have that grind, uh, persistence, the ability to live through adversity, lots of adversity. And it's with that in mind that I want to talk a bit about the adversity that you've had to overcome, not once, but multiple times. I think it's worth noting, and briefly perhaps, but statistics or, or data around the scale and types of sales teams and revenues that you've been able to create for Equinox and then Income Net Communications. And then we'll talk a bit about Citizen Re. But I want to pause when we get to Income Net and learn about sort of where they were when you came in, how many customers you were helping bring on, and wh what became the downfall of that business as well. Equinox, we actually signed up a million people in that company. A million people filled out an application with us. Where you think about that, that's like one out of every 300 people joined that, that movement. And for those who are unfamiliar, what was Equinox offering in the market? We offered um, water, water filters, nutritional products. It was all organic. We were ahead of our time on that realm. And they were actually really good products. The, the challenge for me was the compensation plan. You had to sell $5,000 every month to compensate, to, to earn all your commissions. And I realized that a lot of the money that I was making was off the sweaty back of other people's failures because when they didn't get their commissions, it roll, rolled up to me. And that just didn't feel good at all. When Equinox came to a crashing halt after being one of the fastest growing companies in the world, how did you recover from that or where did you take your career from there? <laughs> yeah, it, it took about two years of just walking through the woods trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do next? And then I, I, I was recruited to be the president of a company in Orange County called Income Net Communications. And when they brought me on, they were losing about 30,000 customers a month. It was a long distance phone service, in, in, internet service. And we developed a direct sales model. We turned it around. In 18 months, they were gaining 5,000 customers a month. And this episode was what really inspired me to go off grid because 
one day I was about to walk on stage. There were a thousand people in the audience and the CEO pulls me aside and says, Rob, we're shutting your whole division down. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he gave me some excuse. But what I realized in the contract, it said if they ever shut down the direct sales division, they could stop paying the residual incomes to all the salespeople I'd brought in. And I had pitched them on the concept that, hey, you get this person on the phone service, you get paid every single month on their phone service, every single month on their internet service. So suddenly I had to go up on stage in front of a thousand people who had believed in me and tell them, hey, it's shut down, your contracts are ended. And I was just... I just felt broken. My spirit felt broken. I just said, people lie, they cheat, they steal. And I just bought an off-the-grid solar cabin. And I thought, I'm going to be a hermit. Because the other thing that I was dealing with was I led these people off a cliff. And I did the same thing with Equinox. And I did the same thing with IncomeNet. And I realized I have a responsibility as a leader to not lead people off a cliff. And that was a hard thing to look in the mirror and admit. How many people worked under your organization at Equinox? You know, I don't know exactly. I think it was about 20,000 were in my group. When you left Equinox, given that you were 20,000 in your group, you were top 10 in the company, as I recall. Yeah, I reached the top 10. By the end, I was not the top 10 because my my personality is I can sell things when I'm 100% congruent, but if I'm not congruent at all, my sales fall, fall apart. So my last year and a half in Equinox, I definitely wasn't in the top 10. I think I dropped to like the top 60 or something like that because I just, I couldn't sell it. I didn't believe it. Even still, you're top of the company. You are considered a leader. How much, uh, if you don't mind my asking, how much money did you walk away with when Equinox disbanded? (laughs) That's the funny thing. I walked away with nothing. And that was one of the insidious things in the culture. This was one of the conversations that inspired me to leave. Um, I I went up to, to one of the people who was in the top five. And I said, you know, you make like 30,000 a month more than I do. You know, what's your secret? And he looks me dead in the eye. He goes, keep them broke. And I go, what are you talking about? He goes, if your people are always broke, they'll work harder. So make them buy Rolexes and cars and all this stuff. And I just went, wow, but what, what about all the people who don't make it? You know, they work, they're going to be in debt and they're going to be in a bad position. And he looked me in the eye and he said, Rob, the strong join us at the top. The weak feed us along the way. And I just got this mental image of me sitting on top of a pile of corpses. I was just like, I cannot be part of this. And that's when I left. 20,000 in your organization at Internet, at Income Net Communications, you were the president. How many people in the organization? That was a smaller group. I think we had about 6,000, but that was in 18 months. Yeah, 6,000 in 18 months. I want to paint a picture of scale here because despite the, the sort of surface appearance of failure, The thing that blows my mind is there's a certain leadership quality and mindset required to be able to have that type of charisma and leadership and interaction with people. Now, a lot of folks who would be listening to your voice for the first time would not know that you have a secret, right? If they're hearing you on my show for the first time, well, I'm going to say in air quotes here impediment. By way of sort of presenting this impediment that many would say, there's no way this guy could lead 30,000 people. What happened as a very young child that you feel like affected the rest of your life? Yeah. I don't know if I can blame it on this completely, but when I was three days old, I just got back from the hospital and my brother was jealous because I took all of his attention. He was three years old and I was crying in the living room. My mom was in the kitchen and she said, God, I just wish he'd be quiet for a moment. 
And my little brother went out to the garden and he got a rock and he, he put it down my throat. Now, he didn't understand what he was doing, that that could kill me. He just, the sound's coming out of that hole. Let me block that hole. And, and my mom came out because the sound stopped. She kind of heard me. She tried to get the rock out, but she just pushed it further down my throat. So now there's blood coming out of my throat. And it's just one of these timing things. My dad was a doctor. He happened to come home from work right at that exact moment. If he was two minutes after, I probably would be dead. And you know, he turned me upside down, slapped me on the back, the rock came out, and I lived. But energetically, what it's felt like to me, Nico, is I have a problem ask I have a challenge asking for what I want because I'm afraid a rock's going to get stuffed down my throat. And sometimes I feel this kind of jittery energy in my body. And I've stuttered ever since I was a little kid. I used to stutter like I couldn't get a word out and I've worked on it, but you know, speaking to people going out and trying to recruit somebody was terrifying to me. This is kind of a funny story actually. Cause when I first went to recruit my first person, I walked up and I went, hi, I'm ruh, 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 and I, I couldn't get a sound out. And I, in, in my mind, I was starting to build my international huge success. And this person reached in their purse and handed me a quarter because she thought I was a beggar. And it just, it just, it, it shifted something for me because I thought, wow, here this woman, I'm so concerned about what this stranger is going to think about me. I can't get a word out. And she thinks I'm a beggar. And I just turned around and I started laughing and I just made a choice. Yeah, I stutter, but I'm not going to let that limit me from my life experience. I'm going to talk to everybody. And I got to the point, I would walk up to everybody and my percentages weren't high, but I talked to so many people. I, I got a lot of folks to join. Yeah, you said to me in a previous call, in fact, that you call yourself the stuttering networker. Is that true? <laughs> I've had people call on me that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to understand, there are a lot of introverts uh, out in the world. There's a lot of introverts in the solar industry. It's a little bit contradictory to think of someone leading a sales team and having an, a stuttering impediment and you yourself uh, identify as an introvert. Can you give me a sense of the tools that you've used over time to overcome both the impediment and the social anxiety? Yeah. One, one of the gifts that I got, I, I was backstage before there were about 5,000 people in the audience. It was my first really big speech and I was pacing back and forth. And one of my mentors came to me and said, what are you so nervous about? I go, well, are you kidding? There's you know, 5,000 people. What if I blow it? And she goes, Rob, you're making this about you. It's not about you. Just be a channel for what needs to speak through you. And once I did that, I stopped going into situation with notes and preparing and all that stuff because that moves me up to my head. And I started trusting that I've got a message to share and I'm going to share it. And she said something that stuck with me. She said, if you can turn your fear into your career, then you've done something significant with your life. And that's what I've done. I've you know <laughs> turned my stuttering fear and, into going out and talking to folks. To be uh, rather direct about your direct selling experience. One of the things that caused Jigger Shaw to say that you are one of the best, if not the best uh, network marketer, direct sales person in the solar biz was the fact that when the company Sizenry, which I'll invite you to tell us a little bit more about, decided to really scale the person they called when they said, we should offer zero down financing for the first time ever in, in solar. The person they called was Rob Styler. Tell me about that. 
Yeah. So I was li living up in my solar powered cabin and a friend of mine contacted me and said, Hey, this company wants to take solar power, direct sales, net network marketing. You're, you're the perfect guy to do this. So I met with the CEO, David Gregg, and I love the model because I'm like, okay, it's zero down. People aren't paying anything. There's no product to buy. People can't fill their garage with, with diet dust or something. You know, no, nobody can get hurt here. So my concern, I didn't know solar at all. And this is my fault for not understanding how hard the sales cycle is in solar. They basically just said, Rob, you sell it. We will handle all the other aspects. We've got installation crews. We've got everything all set. And I'm like, cool. So we went out and, and we sold it. We did 38,000 signed contracts in 18 months. And you know that broke every record in, in the renewable energy space. And it also upset a lot of folks in the renewable energy space because a lot of people like you know Jeff Wolf was probably my, my biggest critic at the time now now we're really close friends we've traveled together and done a bunch of stuff together but at the time all he saw me was is this you know in his words this hypey salesperson that was taking the people that were going to pay him 30 30 grand to get his solar installed and now they were were, were going to wait for a zero down solution that it ended up that we weren't able to to deliver on. So, you know, out, out of the thirty eight thousand customers, we only installed about twelve hundred homes. So, in in that sense, the solar industry was correct to be skeptical about it because I didn't know what I was doing as far as installation that whole end. But my my role was just the sales side, and the interesting relationship that developed out of that was Jager Shaw, I got up, I think it was at SPI, and he said, you know, instead of attacking this guy, why don't you look at the fact that he did more sales in 18 months than the whole industry's done in 30 years? And, you know, we've got to drive down the customer acquisition cost. So that's really the role that I hope to play. And I, I know solar very well now. I know all the challenges with it. And the industry is now prepared to handle that kind of growth. So what I really want to do is create a model where we can drive down those customer acquisition costs, be very transparent about the pricing, and really get a much bigger audience because we've got the infrastructure now to handle that. With 38,000 contracts, how many salespeople did it take to get there? Yeah, that's the really interesting thing. There were 30,000 people who joined our company because it was free to join. And what I found was the average person would just bring us one deal. But they were thrilled with that because they got their mom a good deal on solar or whoever. And then we'd have a few pros that would you know, go out and get 10 deals every, every single month and they would really work it. But I really think there's some some power to that model to get a... like The, the quote that started me to do Sun Crew was... Jager Shaw called me up a few years ago. He said, Rob, we need 100,000 people to get $10 trillion in solutions directly to consumers in the next decade. You should build the network to do that. And that's really what Sun Crew is designed to be. That's phenomenal. And, and as we know, I mean, it's, it's amazing that someone like Jager would come to by your side and, and, and endorse in, in some way the work that you're doing and also say redirect and deflect the arrows from the industry by saying, guys, customer acquisition is our problem. And this guy and this company have seemed to solve that. We already know that deliverability is an issue and building that infrastructure is a long-term road, not something that we can readily adapt to, but that's fixable. Customer acquisition is the long, hard game that we have to figure out. And now we've got this is pre-DOE Sunshot. This is pre-virtually any 
uh, government support other than the the California Solar Initiative and the ITC. So it, it's remarkable that you guys at Citizen Re were able to introduce a zero down model at all with a contemplation of how it could be funded. I remember as an industry, uh, a young, by young, I mean, well, both age and experience at the time, being super skeptical, especially having been in, in network marketing my whole life and having begun to build my own small residential and commercial solar install business, thinking to myself, like, how in the world is this going to work? And also a little bit patting myself on the back when Citizen Read didn't work by saying, yeah, yeah, I was right. That didn't work, right? To your point, and also we talked about this with JB, like the idea of activating a direct sales team requires a lot of training and it requires a lot of back-end operational support that you have to just get right, right? And if you don't get that right, then you get uh, you get a mess, right? So with that in place, citizenry third time is supposed to be a charm, but it wasn't, <laughs> right? Yeah, citizenry failed, and it failed for reasons that you weren't responsible for or in control of because you're responsible for building the sales. I have a question that hopefully you won't mind uh, me probing a little bit, and it's quite simple. Like you've been through three efforts to build massive sales teams. I know because of the way you've expressed it, that it got, it got to you. You had to spend seven years in the woods trying to figure out how to, <laughs> no question, after seven years in the woods, trying to figure out how to not hurt people, your words, not mine. <laughs> no, absolutely. You built a sales team of 30,000 people and ended up, uh, I mean, I'm going to say hurt people in, in the industry. Thousands of people are willing to follow you. Have you unpacked what the skill set is and how you can like are you at a place now where you are able to move forward in a way that controls your ability to predestine the outcome and if so tell me a bit more about that model but i'm also just really genuinely curious how you tap into thousands of people being willing to follow you yeah i think part of it is we all have different archetypes that we're talented at. And I've always been able to tell a story and I developed skills. I mean, I think what happened when I was in Equinox was I was doing nine presentations every week in both English and Spanish. And if you do things nine times a week, and then I was doing trainings every week weekend for you know eight hours a day, you do that for seven years, you reach that you know, 10, 10,000 hour thing and you develop a skill set. So that's, that's part of it. The other thing is, I think... I think people trust my uh, my pain and my vulnerability because I don't try to hide that, that I stutter, for example, and that I've had challenges. And a lot of times people get up on stage and they put the armor around themselves and they try to, you know, their ego kind of comes out. And people don't understand why. They just don't trust it completely. Where the one thing I give myself credit, credit for is I want to be the type of leader that shows my scars and the mistakes and all that stuff. Cause I think we've all done that. And I think we have a society that wants to worship, you know, the, the, the perfect CEO and nobody is that. And I think we need to get real with each other and understand, Hey, we all have our flaws. We all have our issues and we're all showing up the best we can with the knowledge and understanding we have in that particular moment. And as long as we can do that, we can be a little more graceful with with each other. And a big thing that shifted for, for me is I didn't realize how ingrained the manipulative sales practices that I was taught in Equinox became in my, my persona. And 
I, I was with my my wife, and she's very she, she's an empath and very sensitive energetically, and and we were having a, a discussion, and and she starts going ow ow, and I'm going what? And she's like holding her stomach, and she goes you're you're sending your energy, you're trying to manipulate me, and and at first I went what are you talking about? I'm just trying to you know share my point, and I was being defensive. She goes Rob, just close your eyes and picture what's happening energetically between us. And Nico, it was the weirdest thing. I closed my eyes and I could literally see these tentacles coming out of my stomach and reaching over and trying to move her one way or the other and pick her up. And I was trying to manipulate her to see my point of view. I wanted to make my point. And I just put my hands in my head and I just went, oh, or my head in my hands. And I just went, oh my gosh, I've been doing this unconsciously my whole life. And then I had to step back and go, okay, how can I show up in the world in a way that I can still make things happen? I can still create movement and impact, but not emotionally manipulate and push people with my will. And that's been the journey over the last couple of years. I'm not going to say I have it all figured out, but I've definitely improved in that area. Yeah. And we talked about how really MLM, network marketing as a, as a function of direct sales, and much of what we see in online marketing is built around this fear of loss. That's the whole core of it. It's, you know, people are more motivated by fear of loss than motivation for gain. And that culture creates a certain energetic vibration that attracts a certain type of person who's going to be an energetic manipulator a lot of the time. Hey, Warrior. You know, I've always thought that commercial solar should just have an easy button for financing, the way that residential solar typically has had. But credit has always been a gating issue until now. Energetic Insurance levels the playing field so that project developers can now offer the same electricity savings to small and medium-sized businesses that were previously reserved for the large commercial buyers in the U.S. alone. Their Interrate Credit Cover Policy provides the missing link, that easy button I mentioned earlier, for commercial solar that a FICO score provided to residential solar which enables savvy developers and investors to quickly finance commercial solar projects. You can check it out at mysuncast.com forward slash energetic and submit your projects today. Hey, 70% of projects qualify and the review process is easy. Go to mysuncast.com forward slash energetic. Hey, are you losing commercial solar sales because of high demand charges that minimize the ROI for your customer? Extensible Energy's Demand X software is an affordable new solution for reducing peak demand charges by 30%. No batteries required. Extensible's intelligent software analyzes solar production, utility rates, weather data, and more. Then it crunches that data, monitors solar and flexible loads, and automatically reduces peak demand spikes, increasing your customer's ROI and decreasing payback time. Head to extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast for a free demand charge analysis for your project and to learn more about Extensible's partner program for commercial solar installers. You can learn more at extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast. You have some of the deepest experience of building sales teams, compensating sales teams, motivating and incentivating sales teams to move product from healthcare to telecom to now solar. What needs have you identified around the sales model for solar that we still need to innovate around? 
So there's two things. One, I think to really get a mass base, you have to have a two-tiered process where some people can just toss a lead over the fence, get a utility bill. They don't have to learn the difference between a kilowatt and a kilowatt hour, you know, and all the intricacies of solar that make a good solar salesperson. And then you have a second tier of people who really learn all that stuff and they become sales professionals. I think that's key to have that two-tiered approach. And two, the fundamental structure of multi-level marketing, in my opinion, is flawed. And I'm a little embarrassed that it took me 29 years to figure this out because I was constantly frustrated with each company I ran. The money always ended up concentrating at the top. No, no matter how I designed the compensation plan, it was a linear model where the money evaporated up from the bottom, all the commissions went up, and then it concentrated at the top. And um, you know, 60 Minutes did a study on Herbalife, and they showed that 81% of all commissions go to the top 1% income earners. And I, I just don't think that's a sustainable model. So what I did recently, actually, I patented a compensation structure that kind of, I, I call it, it completes the cycle because in the, wa the water cycle, for example, you have evaporation and then condensation, and that's where most companies stop. The money condenses at the top, you get concentrated wealth, well, we complete it. We, we do precipitation. We let it rain down from the bottom. So as people reach different incomes, different of, of, of abundance, we actually call it abundant overflow. And that money starts to flow back to the people who are just getting started. And it's not a point of sacrifice, but most people don't make it through that stage of getting started and that initial excitement. And then they don't make money, money for a month or two and then they quit. We want to create something that, hey, if you're making... 10 grand a month from the community from building a team and you're making 100% of your direct sales is going in your pocket and you're recycling money back because it's a, a community of contribution. That's what we're creating with Sun Crew. And I think it's going to attract a different personality type. The people who want to just keep 100% for themselves, they might not like it. But what inspired me was a quote from Martin Luther King where he said, capitalism forgets that life is social. Communism forgets that life is personal and the kingdom of heaven is, or, or the brother the kingdom of brother, brotherhood is found in a higher synthesis that combines the two. And that's what we're try, trying to do with Sun and Sun Crew. Yeah. And you're quick to point out to anyone who really digs into Sun Crew, which we're going to do in a minute, that it's not a network marketing company. What is the coined term that you have for Sun Crew? We are an energy cooperative or a capitalist cooperative. So basically, we're a group of people. We share everybody who's part of Sun Crew is a member in Sun Crew. They are an owner in Sun Crew. So I don't own it myself. We all own, own it together and we all share the income based on the results that they produce. So a lot of times when you say we all own it together, people think, oh, the income's just distributed, so socialism. Not at all. It's all based on production. If you don't produce anything, you don't get paid a dime. But it's a, a much more fair distribution of wealth. Robert, I get it, man. And you have been really successful at building the capitalist side of this and, uh, and leveraging the power of the many. And I wonder, in a world where Citizen Re, uh, Power, Solar City, Vivint, Sungevity, countless companies, Sunrun, have trained an army of salespeople... Are we looking at still a customer acquisition problem? Are we looking at a salesperson motivation, incentive, compensation issue? And how does Sun Crew approach that with a model that is essentially, as I understand it, still solving the problem of customer acquisition as a lead generation play to help aggregate the most number of customers 
and 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 undergird uh, the the system as it were with that. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, one of the things I, I always talk about is I don't care what a company says in their brochures or in their marketing campaign. I can look at their compensation plan and tell you exactly the culture they'll create and the type of salesperson they'll attract because it's usually a systems problem. It's not a people problem. So what I wanted to do is look at natural e ecosystems. And if you look at a jungle, the biggest trees that can reach the sunlight and they shade out the other trees, they actually share nutrients and water, water with the small saplings through the mycelial network. And they do that with saplings of other species. Now, if you just think about survival of the fittest, you think, why would they do that? It's because cooperation and adaptation is more powerful than the strongest one wins. And they understand that for them to thrive, they need a diverse and dynamic e ecosystem. So that's really what circular wealth is. We looked at natural systems and we copied that in an economic model. So economically, You've developed an innovative and now patented way to incentivize a team that you no doubt are going to be extremely successful as you have been in the past with, uh, with growing in this capitalist cooperative. But many might say, okay, well and good, fantastic. The problem at Citizenry was not that Robert can sell. Yeah, no question. How, how is Sun Crew, I mean, you've had to think about this. So, how is Sun Crew addressing the serviceability, the address, the deliverability issue? Yeah, in fact, we just partnered with a 20-year-old company out of Florida called Energy Professionals, and they've helped 50,000 customers. And the first thing I did when I met them, first it came through a trusted contact, which was J Jason Loyette, who I've worked with. And then I called Jager Shaw and said, hey, what do you know about these guys? He's like, they're top notch. And I called multiple contacts in the industry and they all checked out. So I'm doing much deeper due diligence. That's, that's a, a big part of it. And really looking at who do we want to be as a company? What value offering do we want to bring to the marketplace? And you know, that's on the commercial side. On the resi side, which we haven't launched yet, the big thing I want to do is lower the cost stack. So I want to be very transparent what all the costs are and have that customer acquisition cost come in under 440 cents a watt. And I think that'll help shift things in the industry. So I love the story of Energy Pros. A few, a few specs or details about them are, you, uh, you, know, you mentioned how many thousands of customers they have, but they also have a 78% renewal Retention rate, rate. Yeah, in the exactly. marketplace. Like what a phenomenal it's pretty amazing. number, right? So partnering with a company with a huge track record of deliverability and as we all know in the direct marketing, direct sales space, repeat customers, which is the, the hallmark of staying power as it were. And here's the really nice thing is our salespeople don't have to become experts in every solution that they offer. All we have to do is get a bill from the customer, send it to Energy Pros. They have 100 full-time staff that have, on average, worked with them longer than five years. They're deeply trained in the energy market. They close that deal. Our average commission for our salespeople is between nine dollars to $15,000. And when it gets renewed in three years... We get paid that nine to fifteen thousand dollars again and again and Amazing. again every time it gets renewed, which is really nice. Now, something else you've tacked on is the ability to, as you put it, hack the national grid to generate <laughs> deep insight and deep data about what the customer is feeling and and what their needs are. Tell me more about that. 
Yeah, this is one of the real gifts that I found. I was just felt very fortunate to meet the CEO of Naya Energy. His name is Ketan Patel, and we've become really close friends. And the interesting story about him is 25 years ago, he figured out that through a human EKG, little micropulses, they could predict how likely somebody was to have a stroke or get diabetes just by those micropulses. So he thought, you know what? Electricity has pulses also. And so he was able to figure out, and he has multiple al algorithms on how to do this, that just by the way the electricity passes through the machine, he can tell how soon that AC unit's going to break down and actually what part needs to be replaced. And what's fascinating, a lot of times it's just a $20 part but if you don't replace it in time, it becomes a $5,000 bill. Just the examples of companies he saved money, like one elementary school, he took their annual maintenance costs down from 250 grand a year to $58,000. And it's just a huge savings. Now, from the solar industry, what really intrigued me, he has multiple lay layers of analytics. They have, actually have a patent on being able to overlay the cloud cover with the the heat index with the rate charges with the solar production so they can actually predict when a cloud is going to cover up the panels and reduce the customer's uses so they never hit those demand charges nobody else has that so that's something we're going to be bringing to the marketplace really soon is there anything about sun crew in particular that i've neglected to inquire about and that you feel like is really important to convey yeah, one of the things I'm really proud of is we have uh, a solar lights program. So for every deal we do, every solution we sell, we provide a deposit for solar lights in a developing country. And as you know, gifts don't work. I learned that in the Peace Corps. So we just provide a deposit and then we give them an automatic loan so they can pay for the solar light over three to four months. And those payments are equal to what they're paying for, for, for kerosene right now. But the beauty is the solar light lasts about eight years, which puts hundreds of dollars of savings in their pocket. Because a lot of people don't know that the, the poor pay the highest amount per kilowatt hour for the dirtiest electricity in the world. And if we can get somebody started on the clean energy ladder, and then we get them a solar phone charger, and then we keep moving them up, that can help shift things incredibly fast. And we can flip the, 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 the pyramid and help them get out of the dirty energy debt trap. You've said to me privately that you don't really see yourself running this company. How does Sun Crew, as an entrepreneur, as a founder, how do you think about growing Sun Crew? And what do you, as the CEO, need to do to make sure that it has scale and that your limitations are put to kind of moved out of the way of the growth of the company? Yeah, the important thing was surrounding myself with the right folks, like the the, the president of Sun Crew. He ran a $400 million a year company in 38 countries. So he's got the experience to scale. And, and we want to be a global company. Our, our goal is to create a network across the world where we can get any solution on the global market overnight and have a million independent reps who are part of our network. And the, the thing that really inspired me, Nico, I think that I shared this with you, but we spend more money every year on customer acquisition than we do on the U.S. military. So I thought if we could create a new customer acquisition model, we could take that money, keep it within the communities. We could really shift the way things are done. We could lower the cost and share the wealth in a new way. And that's, that's re re really what inspires me. As you kind of scan the horizon of your career, thinking about the mentors who have influenced and moved you forward, is there, are there key takeaways or lessons that you would want to impart 
and that you do impart to your team or on, on us as listeners? Well, I've had so many people that have taken me under their wing. I mean, Jigger Shaw has been a great gift of my life. Um, my stepdad was a big mentor for me. My father died when I was 14, and my stepdad was a professor of environmental history. And he wrote the book, Dreamers and Defenders. So he always taught us you know, to care for, for the earth. And his dad was the chancellor of UC Berkeley. So we used to go up and spend time up in Lake Tahoe every summer. And I, I think that just that connection to the earth, I think that's a lot of people miss that. And if I could give one recommendation, just go barefoot outside every day and remember what an incredible gift we have. And we're stewards of this planet and we have to take action to be good stewards. And one pro tip, if you travel, what I found, if I walk barefoot on the earth, a location when I land, I don't get jet lag at all. And I think that there's something with the electromagnetic frequencies of the earth and you reconnect with that frequency so you're in alignment with the area you're in. So that's made a huge impact on my life for those of you that, that fly, fly a lot. That's an amazing travel hack. So I'll ask you a question <laughs> yeah. that I haven't pulled out of the archives for a long time. Sure. What other travel or sales hacks, as it were, might you impart? Um, let's go with travel, keeping moisture in, in your lungs. So I usually have a napkin that I get wet. And sometimes I'll just breathe through a little bit. That helps me not get sick. The sales hack, the biggest frustration I have with salespeople is they just aren't authentic. They don't really show their soul. And people want a soul connection. They want to feel who you are. And that's the only way you build trust. So that's the biggest recommendation I make there. What book has had, maybe it's a set of, um, but has had tremendous impact on your life? And uh, I'll ask similarly, what book have you gifted because you want to see that transformation in other people's lives? I mean, Think and Grow Rich was the big one that we initially did. But the challenge with that one is most people don't know that that book was edited and it used to have a very different aspect. And if you read the beginning, it says there's a secret in this book. Well, they edited out the damn secret. And, you know, the secret is actually, it's not what you think, it's the vibrational resonance that you create that that attracts what, what you want. Like so many people are off base with like the movie, The Secret and all that stuff. And I think about a BMW, I'm going to get it. It doesn't work that way. If you don't believe you deserve a BMW, you're in vibrational conflict with your thoughts and your subconscious mind will always win that, that battle because your subconscious mind processes it at 20 million bits per minute and you're conscious at like 60. So the key is to actually be in vibration with what you want. And that's when you attract it. So th that was the first book that I really gifted to a lot of folks. What gave me a different perspective was a book by Paul Hawken called, called Nat Natural Capitalism. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where, where he talks about, you know, I really believe we can, you can actually make more money in the long term if you do the right thing. And that just got me thinking down that whole path. Power versus Force, if you've read that book, that talks a lot about, you know, vibration and energy and how things work. The, the book I'm reading right now is called Awakening the Mystics um, by doc, Dr. Matt Kreiner. Is, sorry, is, is Power versus Force, that's uh, Hawkins as well, but a different Hawkins? No, I'm sorry. Pa Power versus Forks is David Hawkins. David, yeah, yeah, but it's Hawkins. But, but it's not Paul. Paul there was Paul Hawkins was the first one. Yeah, yeah, and then David Hawkins. Hawkins, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, Just wanted to make sure that I was seeing yeah, you, the right one because I hadn't heard Power the right versus one. Force. And then the one that you're reading now is... Uh, uh, it's called Awakening the Mystics, and it's by Dr. Matt Kreinheader. 
And wow. he's, he, he's a personal friend, Rand, actually. And his whole, his whole philosophy, and we're putting together something to, to, to promote this, is that the only way we're going to shift things is by entrepreneurs and by teaching entrepreneurs skill sets on how to scale their businesses in, in a massive way. And that's something that, that resonates really deeply with me. Rob, is there a habit or consistent practice that you feel has yielded the greatest impact in your life? You know, I started doing this practice called Kun Loon. It's it's a, a meditation move, movement, kind of like Tai Chi, but it's got a very specific set of movements. And it really grounds me. What I noticed when I stutter more, like the energy kind of rises up and moves out of my head, where when I get grounded and centered, I'm coming from a, di- a very different place of power. And um, that's been a practice that's helped me a lot. Is that practice something that you practice multiple times a day? Is it sort of like meditation? How does it manifest yeah, in your yeah. daily There's kind of two, two aspects to it. In the morning, as soon as I get up, it's the first thing I do. It's about a 20-minute meditation, and that's a sitting meditation. And then there are different movements and hand placements that you do that it just makes the energy run through my body in, in a different way. Um, my, my dad told me something when I was a little kid. He was a med- medical doctor, but he said, Rob, we're going to look back at this time in medicine and think we were complete barbarians because we radiate drug and cut when it's all energy, frequency, and imprints. And mm. this was in 1972. And now my wife is, she works with energy. She works with multiple hospitals when they can't figure out what's going on from a, a physical standpoint. She is, is a medical intuitive that can deal with it on an energetic side. Yeah. And I've just been in that world for a long time. So I believe everything is vibration at, at the base level when you get down to it. Fantastic. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. Rob, if folks were so inclined, how can they learn more about you? How could they reach out to you? Twitter, I'll put on your LinkedIn with your permission. And then also Sun, and also Sun, also Sun Crew. Yeah, there's suncrew.com. That's our main company site. You can contact me through my LinkedIn. I don't do a lot of Twitter, actually. I'm just not a Twitter person. Fair enough. Is there an email that folks could reach out to if they were... Yeah, they can reach me at robert at suncrew.com. Well, let's end today, as we always do, Rob, with a bold prediction. What one thing do you see happening in the market that maybe nobody else is tracking? What's in your crystal ball? I think we're going to be able to drive down customer acquisition costs dramatically over the next five years. And I think that will open up the market. And I think the challenge is right now, everybody's looking at how much can I make per customer rather than looking at how much more could I make if I opened up the market and all the customers who are sitting on the sideline jumped in because the price was right. Rob Styler is the founder and CEO of Sun Crew. He's a former Peace Corps volunteer, returned Peace Corps volunteer from Guatemala. He is a multi-level and network marketing direct sales junkie. (laughs) He's one of the greatest uh, sales guys I've had the pleasure of meeting. And we've been able to spend the last hour with you. Rob, thanks for joining us on Suncast. I do look forward to seeing you in person soon. Thank you, Nico. It's been a joy. Oh man, are you as inspired by this episode as I was? I tell you, I learned so much from Robert in today's conversation, and I'm certain if you made it all the way this far, then you must also be brimming with insight and ideas as well. Would you mind posting your thoughts on Twitter or LinkedIn and tagging Robert and I? Or even better, share this on your own feed and tag three people that you feel need to hear the message. We're eager to hear how this one has impacted you. 
As always, you can find the resources and highlights from this discussion, along with the social media links over on the blog at mysuncast.com. While you're at mysuncast.com, be sure to drop me your email so I can keep in touch with you. I'd be honored if you'd take a minute to just let me know more about you and how I can mold Suncast into something that serves and piques your interest week after week. You can do that by taking the listener survey that's linked on the homepage while you're there. I'll also drop it into that email that you'll get as soon as you subscribe. Above all, I really am so happy that you chose to be here again this week. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle. <laughs>